0: People, welcome to this week's Echoes from the Void and um god damn this oh the weather over here has been ridiculous. I think it was like 32 the other day. It's just literally melting. I'm just like definitely not into the heat man, which does seem a crime. Like, if you say that to anyone, they look at you like you have just said that Jeffrey Epstein was an uprising citizen. You know what I mean? It just seems crazy. But no, I do not like the hot weather. It's terrible. I, I just want it to end very soon. But um, yeah, so we got a good episode this week, people. There's been a lot going on, so we got that. Did a little shit, shit face sh- Shakespeare, so visited the Tate, so we got all of that shit for you. Um, yeah, this week looked at season two of Stranger Things, so there's that. And um, the book this week is, uh, what is the book this week, man? Oh gosh, I'm not, I can't, um, <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's um, Tamaraya from Naomi Novak So, um, yeah, we we got a lot of shit, man Got a lot of shit But, um, so looking at the news this week, obviously So last week there was the big reveal about the new James Bond film Um, You know, which is No Time to Die Yeah, so it's like the fifth And last film Of the Daniel Craig era And the 25th Official film In total So this week there's been a lot of Talk around the character Himself And the fact that Bond needs to be brought into The Me Too era And you know all these Changes that should happen and all Of this which is a bit Kind of like it doesn't have to happen, you know what I mean, like, we, not everything has to revolve around, you know what I mean, these current things, it, it's funny, I, I was talking to a friend the other day about, like, all these Dick, dicks, Dickens, Dick, Dickonian, um, Whatever the word might be Adaptations And that how some now Have like black people Running around in, as gentry And it's a bit like That wasn't the case And when I see, like seeing that And especially when they're like Oh this is such a close um, Adaptation of the original novel And it's a bit like Well it's not is it Because You're you're showing things that never happened. Now, if you just said, hey, we're doing a fun interpretation of... Fine. That's fine. But when you're talking about it in a certain way, no. You can't... Like, what you shouldn't do that. Because it's not true. It doesn't reflect the time. And we're allowed to show things of a time. And I kind of feel with James Bond... The, initial, the character himself Is a misogynist, Is chauvinistic Is a dick You know what I mean that, That's just the character right So you, you can do this stuff And it's not Terrible Like you know what I mean There's no real issue around it Because that's Bond Right That's who he is Which is Which is fine you know? Um, it's the, like, the funny thing is, it's also changing it. What do you want it to become now then? Because you've got these other spy films, you've got these modern spy things, like Born and stuff like that, that is, will fill the gap. You know what I mean, we'll feel this thing that you want now. Bond to be, so just leave Bond as what Bond is. But see, the thing is though, with it and everything like that, you um, yeah, yeah. It's like you can have other people around him comment on his actions. You know what I mean? Like, do that. So, you you don't have to have every woman jump into bed with him. You can have women say, listen, I'm, this is strictly professional. Shut up. You're, so, you can have, but you don't have to change him. Because we all know as well. Look, there's people that talk in a certain way and act in a certain way. But women still don't give a fuck. They're still happy to, you know what I mean, to let them do whatever. So, you have that. But then you have women that would be like, no, talk to me with respect. So, just show those different sides of things. You know what I mean? You don't actually have to change the character. Just have the people interacting with Bond interact with him in different ways. Like, Naomi Harris as the new money penny. She's not jumping into bed with Bond. You know what I mean? so that relationship is completely different to the older relationship of the money pennies from the past and that works just fine without necessarily a load of changes with bond himself you know so that's what you want to do change the the way people around him work you know i mean you've already had more people in power like um Judy Dench was M for a while, right? So you did had that. And that worked. You know, so you've got these pe the people in power re- interacting with Bond in um other ways. Yo, know? so it's like things like that. That's I mean that's the way you change it. Don't, because you know. If if, if you fuck around too much, like you don't then have bond. You know, you don't have bond. Like and Phoebe Waller Bridge, like she's now on the writing team. And the way it was first introduced was, you know, it made it sound great. Like you brought her in to do all of this stuff, and. Every time you hear her talk, it's like, she gets the shit, you know, which is great, and she's just about, make the women in the Bond films feel like real people, and that's good, because who wants one-dimensional characters, that's just bad storytelling, right, and that's, so that's a good thing, she wants to make two-dimensional challenges to Bond's machismo, and, hey, that's fine, that works, you know, so I've got no issue with that, you know, so, hey, that's what I'm hoping from this new bond, but, um, who knows what's gonna happen, right, who knows, so, um, yeah, I don't know, but, yeah, I as I said, look, Waller Bridge, she did say the important thing is that the film treats the women properly. Bond doesn't have to. He needs to be true to his character. And um yeah. I I fully agree with that. You know? I fully agree with that. So yeah, when when this film comes out, yeah you know I mean, be interested to see uh Interested to see what they do with it. You know? But, um... I think it's out next year. Or is it December this year? I forget. But, hey, when it drops... We will see. So let's get into this episode. And, um... Yeah, we'll hit with some weird shit happening in the news, right? Man, I've t- I, I... There's this story... ...on um, the BBC website of a carpenter who basically destroyed his hand. So um, it says, the hand was left hanging by a a piece of skin and a, a fragment of bone. Which is insane. So there was an accident with an electric saw... And he basically cut the hand off at the wrist. And then kind of through the hand. So I think it kind of goes down from the middle finger and then across. Which, like, when you hear what happened, it's a bit like, how the fuck can this happen? Like, how did they save the hand? You know, I me mean? that's the that's the craziest thing. They managed to save his hand. So he went to St George's Hospital in South London and had to go through two operations that I think in total took 17 hours. 17 hours. It's just and the saw had teeth on it. So it wasn't a clean cut it was like jagged and like just destroyed a lot of skin so they had to um do a lot of skin grafts on every single bit of area that they were trying to save which is like whoa it just sounds in it just sounds crazy Sounds crazy. So they took um like tendons and nerves from his feet from his foot and forearm. You know, so they could um, fix all the damage in his hand. So that's like you know, like the, the crazy thing is they don't it doesn't the article doesn't mention what that Might do to the foot itself, because I'm just a bit like, do we have that many like free shit just sitting there that that's not being used at all? So it's a bit like, whoa, you know, like how's that affect gonna affect his foot to lose, um, you know, like nerves and shit, which is. Yeah, crazy right It just doesn't seem um, Doesn't seem like It it should work But yeah, so they they, So they were taking veins from his foot And then Stitching them into the veins And arteries Of his hand And so um, Yeah, there was Two doctors working on him to do this because they're having to use a microscope and small needles to kind of repair, and they're like, oh, it took a lot of concentration. So it was good that we could alternate. I was just like, fuck. Right, how is someone gonna be able to concentrate for 13 hours to do that shit for 13 hours? You're just like, man, I'm I'm just surprised. You know? It just seems crazy. But yeah. And then also. After the first operation. They noticed that. His palm was infected. So they. His middle finger was. F- fucked. So they're just like. We can't say the middle finger. So they kind of. Used the, what was left of the middle finger. To. Kind of used that skin and bone On the repair of the rest of his hand And then took A flap of skin from his groin To uh, You know Help The injured palm wound So they What it says they, they kind of Sunk the the, the Old palm into his hand. Covered it up. And they're leaving it two weeks. For it to. Um, grow a proper covering. And kind of replace itself. Which. Just seems. Crazy. But you're kind of thinking. What about the skin from your groin? Like. <laughs> you know what I This. Mean? What's that going to do? You're like losing skin from your groin. Do you think how painful that's got to be? Just. Oh. Yeah, not fun at all. Supposedly, right? So after these two surgeries, he's have he's got to have physio every day. Um, but the doctors say that he's got a pinch grip, which means that he should be able to hold a thumb... Uh, should be able to hold a pen between his thumb and index finger. So, yeah, to, so he, he should be able to... You know, if the movement in the hand corrects itself, he should be able to write. But they've got to do another surgery... To be able to give him a power grip again, which would then enable him to hold a hammer, hold a bottle, you know, something that takes a lot more effort. But yeah, so that would be another surgery. I mean, wonder how many more hours this whole thing is going to take. It's just remarkable that this dude still has a hand but yeah i think that's the thing like because he doesn't have full sensation of the hand um i don't think he's got really got much sensation at all in the hand so yeah like what is going to be like what we'll be we able to do with this hand Really I think that's the big question Because Being a carpenter Like can he work With one hand You know and if that Like if that hand Say could hold Something in place But if it's not got any sensation Is he going to notice Like if if his Hand went into a fire Would he notice that Like withholding something. Trying to cut something else. If he slipped. This hand doesn't have the same movement. So he won't be able to get out the way as quickly. Like it just seems very problematic. It just seems remarkable that he still has a hand. But. (sighs) God damn. Yeah. What's his hand going to be able to do? You know. What's it going to be able to do? And no middle finger How's that going to affect things But Yo it's just fascinating Science man Just being able to do that So if you can reattach A basically amputated hand What else Can we do now Now that's the That's the big thing right What else can we do Man Science be crazy. So, there's a story, um, about a Harvard student who is suing the um, the president of Uganda, Yoweri Museveni, something like that, for um for blocking him on Twitter. Right. So. This, this guy, um, Hillary Innocent Taylor Segura, he claims that by blocking him, Musaveni has barred him from partaking in online conversation and is infringing his right aden- against discrimination as guaranteed in the country's constitution. Which I look, I don't know. I like I've, I've I'm kind of in two minds about this situation, right? Because I kind of think, hey, look, you're uh, you know politicians, all of that kind of jazz. It's a bit like, look, you're in the public eye, you're in the public face, so it's kind of like. A bit churlish to block people and that kind of thing. But I'm also of the mind that, hey, no one really needs to have a bullshit in their their life, right? You don't have to, if people are coming at you in a certain way, you, you shouldn't have to kind of put up with all of that shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, it's these two things, right? So, now, this Harvard student referred to the president as a dictator and said that he should quit his job. So, there's that. There's that. And bec- when he said that, then he got blocked which you know i could guess like you no one wants to be called a dictator and told oh you should you should resign no one wants that so i can see why the president would block him now sh- like is it right like yeah you could argue for and against that could argue for and against that To sue him for it Now that just seems a bit Seems a bit ridiculous Because this So this guy says Twitter is the only way In which he can You know See information about His country And interact with Politicians and that kind of thing Which I'm a bit like Look They must have email They'll have postal addresses So If you have something Really important Write a letter Yeah, you know what I mean? Write a letter Write an email Send those So I don't believe Twitter is the only way that you can interact with people because you can get other nations' newspapers. You know, like you can get those. I know you can in the UK, so I'm sure the same is in the states. You know, so I don't believe Twitter is the only way that you can you know get information. That just seems ludicrous seems ludicrous, and it's like, I think interacting on Twitter, like, that's not, it, you know, it's not going to be in a, in you know, I guess, a proper conversation, it's not a proper conversation, because the way people use Twitter is... So different to how you interact With anyone in real life Or in email Or in, in Written comms Right? People call people Names and think that's Acceptable when interacting On with social Media you know So If he really wants to Communicate email Letters do it That way the fact that he's not even trying to do it that way does make me question all of this. You know, it does seem that, no, he, he's happy with just throwing out, like, little, just little comments. You know what I mean? Just throwing these little comments out. He doesn't really want a proper, in-depth conversation. And suing... It's just an attention grab That's all it is It's an attention grab That's what it seems Like obviously I'm not reading up on all of this shit I'm just reading an article I'm reading an article And this is Yeah This is what I've made from it But I'm like You know What what do you really want Like because he's not saying, yeah, I've written letters, if he's saying, I've written countless letters that are being ignored, or, you know, then you think, okay, okay, I understand, he hasn't done that, hasn't done that, you know, so it makes you wonder, like, what are you doing, like, really, what, what, what are you doing here? Because it does seem an attention grab. You know. Because like. you Are you really wanting. To have proper. Conversations. About the dem- democracy. Of Uganda. Is that what you. Do you really want that. Because you. everyone, You can't do that. On social media. Twitter especially. You can't do that. So, if you really want an in-depth, proper conversation, yeah, write a letter, request a phone call, something like that. But, yeah, Twitter, nah, I'm not, I just don't buy this, I don't buy it. You know, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this but yeah i i think it's someone trying to go oh look at me look how cool i am uh, yeah i'm doing this because yeah you haven't explored any other avenues so yeah might go to harvard but hey can still be a jackass So, we are fast approaching the new season of NFL football. Um, I think it's the 100th season as well. So, big things. For a weird reason, the first, ga- well, first game is on the 6th of September, right? Which is a Friday. When, you know, usually it starts with the Thursday night game. But, yeah, so we've got the Friday night game. Washington's first game is against the Eagles Philadelphia that bunch of losers so um hopefully we start well and um yeah beat the Eagles that would be good but yeah so the NFL hey you gotta love it when you know when you see a franchise really pushing that PR train right so um Supposedly, an NFL team asked Carly Lloyd to play in their final preseason game. That's the word going out. Because, so she practiced. Oh, so those that don't know, Carly Lloyd played, she plays for the U.S. soccer team, their football team, right? Um... She, yeah she played in the uh the, the world cup winning team um from just uh, earlier in the year um so she went and she she practiced with um in the Baltimore uh Baltimore Ravens and the um the Philadelphia Eagles and she kicked a 55-yard field goal. Right? Which is... Yeah, well, that's good. That's good, right? That, that, you know, not everyone can kick 55 yards. That's a long distance. She kicked what? But it's like, can she do that consistently? I think that's the big question. Because we've seen rugby players kick. And we've seen other players. You know what I mean? They've started off well. They've kicked. And then they just... Yeah form does not stick with them the whole season. So, for a couple of weeks, they kick him well, and then it all goes to shit. So, we've seen that. But, right, so, yeah, one team who they haven't revealed, but asked us to play in their final, final game. Now, the big question is, right, how much of this is just PR? Because... The U.S. soccer team was is scheduled to play on Thursday, right? So they are playing. Um, I forget who, but they've got a game. They've got a game on the Thursday, so she can't make this. uh, She can't make this pre-season pre-season game. So, now, you think about it, right? If you were sensible, you'd have seen that. You'd have seen that she's playing this game. So, you 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 put out the request, knowing the request is getting turned down, but you get mad props for making it in the first place. So, I'm kind of like, was it that? You know what I mean? Was it that? Now, there are questions whether you, you mean a, a female player will ever make it to the NFL. You know, would, would could you have a female kicker? Because that's the only real position you could have her in, essentially. You know, because, yeah, it would be crazy to have a female running back... She's going to get tackled by huge ass dudes Which, hey, that's just Yeah, that's not going to happen That's too fucked up, right? But you could potentially have her as a kicker But even a kicker can take hits So, so the only thing I guess you could possibly do Is have two kickers So your female kicker could take the extra points And then the other, the male kicker would do You know The other shit You know what I mean Or essentially the female kicker could do the opening kick Because That's not getting charged But other kicks You know what I mean, On the fourth down kick You know They're getting charged on those So you wouldn't want them in that one but yeah, what would that mean to have two kickers? How's that going to affect the salary cap and everything like that? Hmm, that's the problem, right? Because you're always... Because you have two kickers, right? Two, maybe three kickers as your your backups. But if you have the female kicker, you'd still need the other backups. Because as I said, she wouldn't be able to cover certain plays. So can you add an extra player without messing everything else up, you know, salary cap wise and all of that, who knows, but yeah, I think this was a little PR stunt, um, ain't mad at it, you know what I mean, hey, whatever, whatever, right, ain't hurting anyone, she she had fun at the, you know, the practice and all of that, so yeah, it is what it is, right, yeah, I don't know. All right, well, um, let's get into um some of the other shit that went down this week. You know what I mean a little alcohol and theatre? <laughs> so let yeah, let let's get to that. Okay, so just back from another night at the Lesser Square Theatre. Always fun. And, um, yeah, I think this is the third time. So, went to see the shit face Shakespeare crew. And, um, in the past, um, what I think it's been Midsummer's Night Dream. And, um, oh, I think maybe The Merchant of Venice. I think, possibly. Definitely Midsummer's. But this night, this night, it was Hamlet. So, um,. Yo, this is what Leicester Square have on their website. Shitface Shakespeare is back for 2019 and they promise to be wilder, funnier, gorier, more outrageous and drunker than ever before. These fringe legends have toured the world, broken America, established themselves on London's West End, won numerous awards, survived a zero-star review in the Times, and are now ready for their biggest challenge yet: Hamlin Prince, Hamlet Prince of Denmark. Um, yeah, and I haven't even drunk this evening, and I still can't speak. Ah. Featuring a cast of professional Shakespearean actors. Each night, one lucky victim is selected and carefully intoxicated for up to four hours prior to showtime. The remaining sober cast are then tasked with negotiating the play around whatever furious nonsense emerges from their drunken co star. Featuring Foul language, outrageous behavior, terrible singing, rapidly expelled bodily fluids, and dangerous swordplay. Shakespeare has long been considered culture. Think of it like Game of Thrones with less boobs. Shitface Shakespeare is finally ready to tackle the greatest dramatic word ever committed to page in the English language. Hamlet. The story of a whiny lad who goes a bit loopy and does some stabbings sounds like comedy gold, and um yeah, it really was though. So yeah, this is the thing, right? So one member of the cast drink before the play, then um so before it starts, the kind of um bard, the narrator. He comes out, he shows you what they've drunk And then there's a trolley full of more booze Alcohol as you will And then two members of the audience are given a gong and a trumpet And throughout the evening if they blow or bang The person has to drink And then the narrator can make the person drink as well and one person, one unlucky person, has to hold the sick bucket. So, yeah, that's essentially how it starts, right? Um, and in the previous times, it you know, it's messy. It's definitely messy. But um, it's always been fun. So, it's like... Okay, so it's interesting. And the previous times, it's been a young lady. And it was the same young lady on both times, which which, which, which added another level of hilarity to the proceedings. So this time around, it was a dude. Dude was drunk. And, um... Yo. <laughs> I don't even know. Sounds like my man can't handle his drink because he was... He was pretty off from the beginning. (laughs) They were struggling to keep him on track. Oh my god, he was yo. He was just randomly singing, randomly singing, insulting people's laughs. It it was just. I mean, yes, he insulted my laugh. Well, he commented, kept on commenting. Um, yeah but he like he he was staring off into nowhere like trying to rearrange the, um, the 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 backdrops and shit yo they really struggled to keep him on track it it was funny it was funny man and so this i think it goes on for just over an hour usually just over an hour, I believe, like 70 minutes maybe, um, and you could see that they were struggling, you could see that they were struggling, it was it was taking a long time to get through some of the scenes, a real long time, um, and yeah, <laughs> oh, it, it's just funny, like, I think, you know, the the, the hilarity comes from the other cast trying to get the person on track, right? You know, so it's the coaxing. It's just like, look, 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 say this and you get a drink, or, you know, do this, get up, get up, get up. No, don't go over there, come here. So all of that is funny. Then you've got the drunk person trying to remember lines Tr- <laughs> just just trying to say things in order that's just hilarious so all of this i mean it's just it's just gold it's, it, it is gold but god damn it but yo i don't they didn't finish <laughs> that's, that's the crazy ass thing Right? So, once they got to the allotted time... Yo, play hadn't finished. You know what I mean? they, So, they had the... So, everyone came on and they, they... You know, everyone bowed and everything like that. But, essentially, the play never got finished. <laughs> it just... Like uh, the other two times They were able to finish the play This time Yo they did not finish the play It, It was crazy Crazy Like so we got I think we just got up to Ophelia Drowning essentially I believe that was that was kind of roundabouts when it finished So yeah Still Still stuff to do Still stuff to do uh, Like One of the hilarious parts Was um, So you know My man that was playing Hamlet Like he, he wasn't huge Wasn't huge But you know I, You'd say he's stocky Stocky right So not huge, not fat, just stocky, but he made, (laughs) he made this other dude carry him, and the other dude wasn't big either, and the other dude wasn't even stocky, so he's struggling to carry this dude off of stage, because he knew if he didn't carry him, they ain't getting through that scene, and oh, god damn it, that, that was hilarious. That was hilarious. Also, like, they got some dude from the audience to play one of the characters for a couple of scenes. <laughs> My man hammed up hard. It, ah, uh, it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And also because you need to be able to ad-lib with that shit. My man couldn't ad-lib. It was just jokes for people, right? Right? If you haven't been, and you're like, and you're not too precious about this kind of shit, because you know, what I mean, if if you're like, a play should be a play. Your like, actors don't drink. Yeah, this ain't for you, son. This ain't for you. But if you are open to um, <laughs> drunk cast members and just things going haywire yo this is you all day this you will just be laughing because yeah everyone in the crowd is laughing you know it is a highly enjoyable so um yeah I think I think it's on until oh let me just check the 14th of September so on until the 14th of September, the 14th of September, the Leicester Square Theatre, so that's just in Leicester Square, it's right by the Prince Charles Cinema, right, so mosey your ass on down, and go get some jokes, because it is funny for sure, funny for sure, you won't be disappointed, trust me, and Leicester Square Theatre put on a load of comedy and other shit too, so, hey, just go check it out, right? But yeah, definitely check out the shitface crew because they're hilarious. So over the weekend, even though it was ridiculously hot, went to uh the Tate Modern for a little look around. Uh so I checked out the Natal Nat the Natalia um Look. The Natalia the Natalia Goncharova exhibition. Jeez. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um it seemed like it'd be interesting. So I thought I'd go check it out. Um so the tape website says this about it. A leader of the Russian avant-garde, Natalia. Goncharova, blazed the trail with her experimental approach to art and design. The Tate Modern will present the first retrospective of Natalia Goncharova ever held in the UK. Most of the works have never been seen in this country before. Goncharova found a claim early in her career. Aged just 32, she established herself as the leader of the Russian avant-garde with a major exhibition in Moscow in 1913. She then moved to France where she designed costumes and backdrops for Sergei Daghilev's Ballet Roses. She lived in Russia for the rest of her life becoming a key figure in the city's cutting-edge art scene. Sorry, she lived in Paris the rest of her life. Um, Goncharova's artistic output was immense, wide-ranging, and at times controversial. She paraded the streets of Moscow, displaying futurist body art, and created monumental religious paintings. She took part in avant-garde cinema, experimented with book designs and designed for fashion houses in Moscow and Paris. Her bold and innovative body of work influenced and transcended the art movements of the 20th century. The exhibition will explore her diverse sources and inspirations from Russian folk art and textiles to the latest trends in modernism and beyond um, Yeah So there you have it And it was definitely an interesting exhibition You know when you walk in Like there's a couple of bits of her art there And one of the bits Oh it was really good It was a really nice Kind of um, I think it might have been a kind of a self portrait It's a really nice piece of work uh, You then Go into another room And Yeah it's An, it's an odd one I, I was very frustrated with the work Because I think Like you, There was something there But it There was like It seemed that elements of the work had been rushed. Or, you know, it was like bits of it just seemed too heavy. Like they were very kind of garish colours. And it seemed to take away with what was being created. So, you know, you could definitely see a talented artist... But yeah it kind of felt that the work had been crowded. You know what I mean? Like there was a picture of a woman with some bread. The bread really well done. Like the bread was really nice. Then the woman was was okay and it was spoiled with the woman's face. That it just looked like where all this effort had been put in in other areas of the picture. The face just looked Just look kind of rushed You know But there was a thing Um Saying on the wall that she was Experimenting with Kind of Doing different things with facial Expressions and and stuff like That so I do imagine At the time A lot of this work was probably Groundbreaking you know Um as you walk through the exhibition, so I think it starts off for the most part with her early work and then moves into later work like that um and as you go on, like it seemed that the work got more refined like there well, there was one room that I also went in, and there was like these images that were pretty. Like, they weren't bad images. It, was, it w- wasn't it was bad work. But they were all these very bright colours that didn't quite seem to go together. So it was a bit like, yeah, it's not bad, but ah, it's like the colours don't work for me. But then on the other wall, there were smaller renditions of these pictures, but in black and white. And seeing them in black and white, it was just like, oh, my God. Like, the black, I loved the black and white renditions. The black and white renditions were great. Loved them. And I think it was that room onwards that, yeah, I definitely saw a difference in her work. Like, there was this one picture, and it was kind of like, um, uh, it, was like in going into say maybe a Russian city or something like that there's a lot of buildings um and it was really a really nice it was a subtler in hue and it's it really seemed very intricate and just yeah I really like that piece um but yeah you you saw more of that more of this kind of just a lighter touch on the work You know Like the the stuff wasn't as Busy maybe um, I think I preferred the selection of Colours And then you kind of get Into kind of I think Maybe it was the f- some of the fashion Design work Which looked really good and then you get into the fit, the stuff she did with the theater, which, ah, uh, that was fantastic. Her theater work was remarkable. Yeah, really enjoyed the theater work. And um, I have to say, it was funny because, like, a lot of the um the costumes and things like that that she designed, for some reason, it reminded me of the Flash Gordon film from the eighties. You know. Uh, there was this like gold piece that kind of reminded me of like some of the stuff like the Hawkman war, but yeah, really enjoyed the um the later pieces and the, especially the theater stuff. It was really nice, just real intricate, put together really well. Very just a nice touch to the work. But um yeah this exhibition it goes on until the eighth of September. Uh so you, you've still got a couple of weeks, I believe. Couple of weeks. Um very I would definitely recommend checking it out. Because uh, it is good and to see her later work, very yeah, very impressive. So, um, Yeah, that's Natalia Guncharova at the Tate Modern. So, while I was at the Tate Modern, I thought I would also check out the um, Olafur Elacion exhibition. Um, It was called In Real Life. And yeah, it looked very intriguing. So, yeah, like, why not? Um, so, this is what it says on the, uh, on the website. Um, In Alessian's captivating installations, you become aware of your senses, people around you, and the world beyond. Some artworks introduce natural phenomena such as rainbows to the gallery space. Others use reflections and shadows to play with the way we perceive and interact with the world. Many works result from the artist's research into complex geometry, motion patterns, and his interest in color theory. All but one of the works have never been seen in the UK before. Within the exhibition will be an area which explores Elysian's deep engagement with society and the environment. Discover what an artist's perceptive can bring to issues of climate change, energy, migration, as well as architecture. And once every other week, you'll be able to communicate with people from Ellison's 100 strong team in his Berlin studio via a live link. The kitchen team at studio Olaf Olaf, Ellison will also create a special menu and program of related events for Tate Modern's terrace bar based on an organic, vegetarian and locally sourced food served in his Berlin studio. Elessian has a long relationship with Tate Modern. His glowing sun, The Weather Project, drew more than 2 million people to the turbine in 2003. More recently, Ice Watch in 2018 brought chunks of ice from Greenland to London this exhibition will provide another unforgettable experience for visitors of all ages. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. And also, there's this waterfall thing. So, it says, visitors will also encounter a dramatic new waterfall sculpture situated on the terrace behind the gallery. Ellison's Waterfall 2019 is char- uh, characteristic of his fusion of nature and technology and his ongoing investigation of how we think about and respond to our own environment. The 11 meter high sculpture is a continuation of Ellison's Waterfall series, which had previously been hosted in cities across the world, including Sydney. In 1998, New York in 2008, Sao Paulo in 2011, as well as Versailles the same year. So, um, yeah, you know, you'll be able to see this exhibition all the way to the 5th of January 2020. So, yeah, plenty of time and. It is. Very. Really interesting. Like. This exhibition. Was. Ridiculously busy. It. Yeah. It was insane. The amount of people. After like. Seeing the Natalia's one. And then going to this. Yo. It was. Crazy busy. Um. Which. I. I did find a little problematic. Um. You know what I mean, to be honest There's a lot Going on um, You know, kind of using reflections And stuff like that There's um this kind of Raised walkway So you go in And it's in this kind of big tunnel Kind of thing And you walk through And it's just full of different angled Mirrors and reflective surfaces Which is Really interesting And it reminded me of uh, The Lee Ball exhibition And the shapeshifter Exhibition at the Hayward Gallery Because they had kind of similar things Going on with Perceptive and um, Reflection And light and that kind of thing So yeah that was Really crazy Also there's this kind of They had um, these fluorescent lights That when you stood And it was kind of fluorescent lights in a projector So when you stood in front of them It kind of projected your Image On a wall So you had the reflection of your image on a wall Which was fascinating It was really crazy and fascinating And that was a very popular room um, But yeah there, there, like There was a lot of flashing light um, when you're going to the exhibition They've kind of lit the the hallway With these orange kind of lighting Which, oh, that killed my eyes It wasn't great it wasn't great I was like, oh, I need to get into the room quick And I think, like, from going outside And then going in It um took my eyes a long time To then become accustomed to Light within the place Which um, Yeah for me that was a kind Of problematic Then you've got all the people and um, That made it a bit difficult To kind of see certain Things and stuff like that I think one of my favourite parts Of this exhibition was A room that you go into And it's full of Fog Fog um, yeah, it's just full of fog, I'd say, like because it's well, it's not obviously it's not fog, I don't know what they use because it's not cloying in any way or anything like that, but what it does because you can't really see anything in front of you, so your perception of the room and its size is just all over the place. Like, for as much as you know, you could be in a huge field. That's how crazy it is. So, you're walking along, but you don't really know, like, how far you're, you've you got to walk. You don't really know, you know, because you can't see. So, you can't really see a lot in front of you or just around you. And it's really interesting what it does to your kind of senses. So that was fascinating. It really was. Uh, But yeah, there's a lot in there that kind of plays with the light and the reflection and your perception of things. So it is very interesting. Like I would say try and go... Um, yeah, it like try and go a, a time that might be quiet because it it was a bit crazy trying to see things and interact when there is so many people in there. But I would recommend checking it out. There's yeah, there's a lot there's a lot in there that you interact with. So I think kids would love it. Um, anyone that's into like. Tile and just this Kind of being able to Explore stuff and art Yeah I think you would love That uh, and, and yeah it's fascinating It really is so that was the um, Olafor Elysian In real life exhibition And it's on until the 5th of January Next year 2020 So um,
1: yeah Probably definitely worth a visit
0: to the Tate Modern for that so, this week I finally got round to watching Season 2 of Stranger Things Yeah, I realized it was, you know Released in October 2017 But, hey, what can I say? There's been other stuff I've been trying to catch up on, right? Um, So, you know the, the all the crew were back basically. Um, you know, Duffer Duffer Brothers created it and they executive produced with Sean Levy, Dan Cohen, and Ian Patterson. Um, all the cast were basically back. We Winona Ryder, David Harbour, Finn Wolfhand, Millie Bobby Brown. Gaiton Matsaruzzi, Caleb McLaughlin, Noah Schnapp, Natalie Dyer, Charlie Heaton, Joe Keery, Um then we had some new people up in the mix. So you had Sadie Sink, um Darcy Montgomery, Sean Aston. Liani Befuslin, Um and Matthew Modine, you know, um, yeah, it was interesting, and the premise of this all was, um, on October the 29th, 1984, Will Byers finds himself the target of the Upside Down, a year after his disappearance, As a large tentacled figure named the Mind Flayer soon terrorises the citizens of Hawkins. Drawing back Joyce and Hopper along with Mike's sister Nancy. Will's brother Jonathan and Nancy's boyfriend Steve as well as Will's close friends Mike, Dustin and Lucas. The whole group along with Californian newcomer Maxine. As well as Missing Eleven must join forces once again to prevent the threat from increasing. Uh, So, Season 2 consisted of 9 episodes. And, um... Yeah, like... I don't know. So, this... I Think I might have Enjoyed this season More than season One But there were issues There were a lot Of issues right Um I think like There's just this Stuff that keeps on happening That doesn't really Like it doesn't Make any sense when You think of Everything that went down before. So you, you've you got will-seeing stuff, right? And, like, it's not taken seriously, really, by anyone. And you've got all this shit going on. But it's a bit like... All of these people... They witnessed the shit from... That happened a year before. So... Why... Yeah, why did it take so long for everyone just to be... Oh, fuck. We've got to... Uh, you know, we've got to be down and, and sort try and sort this out. Right? It's just... Yeah. It's kind of irritating... Then you've got this whole situation with Ellie 11. And, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, it it really doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Because, I don't know, like. Hopper is trying to keep her safe, and there's all this weird pushback. But when you know it's the flip, so when it was a similar thing in season one, there wasn't as much pushback. So it's all a bit like, okay, what's going? Like you're you're just trying to create these situations, just. So you can then have something there, you know like it, a lot of things go on that you're just like, well that did like what was the need for that like what's the explan- what's the real explanation for this happening because really it makes no sense for them to do this thing it makes no sense whatsoever, like you've got Jonathan. Meant to be looking after Will, and he he doesn't. So, obviously, something goes down. And, I that's one of the big things. There's a lot of this predictable shit happening. Like, so predictable. Like, basically, you know how this whole season is going to play out. You know what I mean? and that's just a bit frustrating, like, just, this new Max character, you know, you know how that's playing, right, you know how it's playing, and this whole thing that Mike's got, this whole bullshit, it's just boring, it's so boring, It's, you know, because this, supposedly there's no leader to the group, but Mike treats everyone like shit, and no one says anything, so, like, you know, you'll have the other characters, though Dustin and Lucas will have an argument, but no one really has an argument with Mike, and it's just ridiculous. Ridiculous, because hey, in real life, you're saying things. You mean the kids would be saying something, and if they're not going to say anything, it will be because they would say to themselves, you know what I mean? Like Mike's the leader of the gang. Okay, fine, we you know we'll let Mike lead this shit. But that's not the case. So it's just a bit like. Ugh tiresome man very tiresome There's this whole chap episode three with the uh polywog which is just like doesn't make any sense. Like, none of that episode makes any sense whatsoever, because it's just like, with everything that they have seen, they would entertain that shit, like, it's just ridiculous, it's just ridiculous, we have all these ridiculous things going on, you know? Like, um, the spy, the whole spy situation. I'm just like, what, how did it take so long for that to all play out the way it did? You know, doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. Right? Because. This thing, this thing inside Will, like, it's always been there, so, the like, shit would have played out earlier, there w- w- would have been something earlier, but it just doesn't happen, and then all of a sudden, it's just like, oh, oh my god, ah, this thing, oh no, and you're just like, you, you just... Kind of scratch your head. And you're just like. Oh come on man. It it, it can't be. Ah." You know. We have 11 disappears. She runs off. She again. Makes no sense. There's no rhyme or reason to it. But essentially the whole thing. Means nothing. Now they might do something with this in season three, but right, it it does nothing for the storyline in one in in this season. Does nothing for the storyline. Essentially, they they try and throw something in the last episode, but just like focus your anger, like. But that's it. They could have had that from anywhere else, you didn't need, like, this whole bit, this whole bit, just basically to have 11 away, just, it wasn't needed, wasn't needed, like, and there's too much of this, right, so there's too much of these random things happening, just so you have moments of, what are we going to do now, oh no, we're in trouble, and that, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, I might be cynical here, but, yeah, there's just too much of this random shit, like, people find these tunnels, and they're just going into them, just going into the tunnels, Without any help. Without any backup. Now it's the 80s. I understand that. But. There were better weapons. You know I mean? There were still better weapons. Than the shit. That these. Arseholes. Are going into fight with. You know what I mean. It, it's just. Some nonsense. It's some straight up nonsense. And I think, uh, like, okay, so there's a bit in, I think it's, man, I th- yeah, I think it's in, it's either episode seven or episode eight, right? And you, you have a situation right you have a situation in this whole thing but like you, you everyone has seen the danger everyone has seen the danger but we have people running around they get to a point and then everyone stops and like stares off in random directions and it's just like you would keep running there are no there's no stopping. So when you have this moment at the end when it's just like stop running, look up, look into someone's eyes. You know what's going to well basically you knew this person wasn't making it out. They weren't gonna make it out. You knew that. it, it you it's not brain science here. You you know exactly what's going to happen. You know how many ca- like what characters are making it out of this season. You know from the giddy up. It's pretty simple. Like there's there's no explanation to why these fucking kids are allowed to just do some of the shit that they're doing. Because it's just like Oh I can't stop them from running Yes you can stop them from running away You can stop them from running away But it doesn't happen It's ludicrous This is the problem with it all It's just ridiculousness And they don't offer up any proper explanations For most of the shit that goes down there is nothing. Like at the end when they're trying to um get rid of this thing and so they're using heat. You got fucking Jonathan like you can't do it. You can't do it. it's just like oh for fuck's sake stop whining stop whining. But you know how it's going to, you know how this whole scene is going to play out. He's going to whine. Joyce is going to be like, no, we've got to keep on doing it. And he's going to try and stop it. But then he's going to get stopped at the last minute. And suddenly we see that it's nearly, well, you know, we know how it's all playing out. We did like every scene, you know how it's playing out that's why it's frustrating that's why it is all so frustrating like look i understand you know it might not be my thing but when you you know people are saying oh it's the best thing on tv fuck off it really is not it really is not it's just ah jesus man you know I have to say though, my my favorite bit of the whole situation was in the last episode what Nancy does at the dance. That's that was my favorite part of the whole of the whole season. That was my favourite thing. Nancy's actions. There's the rest of it. How have you forced this situation between Mike and Eleven. it's It was friendship. In season one, it's friendship. Now, all of a sudden, it's something else. Like, just shut the fuck up. And then, to you, know, you had a nice moment to end this season on. But, instead of just ending it there. Instead of just ending it there... You ruin it with this whole ominous dum-dum-dum. It's just hacky. So hacky. You don't have to do that. People would tune in for a third season. Right? You don't have to hack it up with this cliche bullshit at the very end. Because that's what happens. It's cliche. Cliche Really cliche (sighs) But listen We have got some good acting I have to say You know Harbour Ryder They're They're very good Um Sean Astin was real good in it Uh, You know Um like Steve, Joe Keary is good like Steve Harrington is is a good character in this season. He really is. Yeah. Gotta you know really is. I think um like I don't know, who the guy that plays Mike just so whiny and irritating. It's just... It becomes a distraction. Becomes a distraction, right? So that's just... Ugh. Like, Max is decent. Sadie Sink, she's a good job of playing Max. Um, Yeah, Gaten as Dustin, he was pretty good. Uh, like eleven. Now, an issue with eleven would be uh, her t- her dialogue, her talking, because we've got in um in some bit she's got this kind of I can't do that, and then in other parts she's talking perfectly. Need to fix that inconsistency because it makes no sense. Makes no sense. If she can talk properly in one place, she can talk properly in others. You you can't go from this stilted speech to suddenly fine speech. Need to fix that shit. But yeah, like, yes. There's certain stuff that just needs to get sorted out. Need needs to get sorted out. Because it's just frustrating. It becomes frustrating. If you've already got this cliched hammy story. Don't ruin it. With some shitty acting as well. Now. As I said look. Most of the characters were decent. They acted well. But some of them. They need to just up their game. Need to up the game. But. Listen season 3 is out. We know they're making a season four. <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. I might be done. I might be done. If I do season three, it ain't going to be any time soon. I mean, probably. Because this, I was. I really basically did season two because, uh, you know, I was convinced. I was convinced. You know, it's a way of keeping a conversation going. Um, yeah. So, who knows? I might do season three down the line. it's gonna be there. But yeah, I, I think I need to fucking catch up with Breaking Bad so I can watch this Breaking Bad film that's gonna drop in October. Uh so yeah, I need to get onto that shit. But uh yes, listen. Look, these are my thoughts. I know the popular thing is most people love this shit. Right? So Hey, I'm I uh, I'm a minority on this, but listen, there's things that just frustrate me about the story. It's just there's some laziness in it in its creation in its writing. You know, it's that bullshit that you find. You know, with these Deuce Mac in moments and all of that kind of shit. It's just lazy. So yeah, I'm not. On the stranger thing bandwagon, but uh i don't know we'll we'll see what happens going forward, all right, but um, yeah, my thoughts let's get on with the book review, right well, this week, people, I decided to try out um a new series from Naomi Novak. Uh this was um book one in the Tamaray series and um yeah it's called Temera. Okay, so this is what it says. Naomi Novak's stunning series of novels follow the adventures of Captain William Lawrence and his fighting jag- dragon Tamaray. As they are thrown together to fight for Britain during the turbulent time of the Napoleonic Wars. As Napoleon's tenacious infantry rampages across Europe. And his armada lies in wait for Nelson's smaller fleet. The war does not rage on land and water alone. Squadrons of aviators swarm the skies. A deadly shield for the... Cumbersome cannon-firing vessels, raining fire and acid upon their enemies, they engage in a swift, violent combat with flying tooth and claw. For these aviators ride dragons. Captain Lawrence is, satif- is a satisfied man with a respectable commission aboard a ship reliant. His career is born from a love for the sea And he takes his duty very seriously Months before the Battle of Trafalgar On patrol in the Atlantic The Reliant takes a small French frigate Storm damaged and possessing a fierce crew Unwilling to surrender as easy as they should On board Lawrence finds a dragon egg a great prize as England is in sore need. Having spent months on a slow journey from Asia, the egg hatches. A sinewy newborn emerges from the fragmented shell, ignores his harness-bearer, approaches Lawrence and changes his life. Hatching, hatchling dragons must be put in a harness immediately otherwise the dragon young become hard to control fit only for the breeding colonies the person chosen to first harness the beast must be an aviator for the dragon will accept no other captain the life of an aviator is not a desirable one reviled by fashionable society they live hard lonely lives Bound to duty, and they frequently die young. Lawrence must now join them. Duty demands it, though his heart is broken, but more astonishing than the dragon dragonette named Tamaraire by Lawrence are the documents found with him documents addressed to napoleon from the greatest most skilled dragon breeders in the world to chinese the dragon temeraire was meant for the emperor napoleon himself and promises to grow into an into no ordinary creature um yeah so that is the book it's read by simon vance and um It's really enjoyable Like I think one of the big things That kind of Jumps at you Is the fact that this is An alternative History And it's set around the um, Napoleonic Wars Now sometimes you read Books like this You know set in an alternative Universe with just a few Differences It becomes I mean it's done in a certain way that makes it I think feel more like um a fantasy book but the way Novak writes this I mean this could essentially be a sharp book you know from Bernard Cornwell it's written in that in that manner in which you find a lot of historical fiction. So, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a world with dragons, but it's written in a way like, oh, well, you know, hey, then it's just nothing special. (laughs) This is a historical fiction novel. So, I really like that, I I enjoy the fact that it's taken this different tone, and that I feel sets it apart, you're then, because, you know, we're kind of thrown into the midst of all of this, and there's no, you know, there's no kind of narration to be like, oh, in this world, dragons are, you No, you just pick it up. As um as the book moves along, but it's written in a way that makes it easy to kind of comprehend, like, the nature of things, the fact that, you know, a- aviators aren't looked upon very well, you know, like, Lawrence had, you know, he was on a good path, he had a young lady that, you know, there was a, a, a promising situation with And, um, you know, like he had standing within the community and all of that is gone as soon as he becomes an aviator and has to uh, harness Temeraire. And um, you pick that up, you know what I mean? You understand that and so you understand the frustration but then... The change and it's all conveyed so well, but with that, also with that um, British stiff upper lip, you know. Ah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's thoroughly enjoyable. I really like just the way it flows and the different characters that we meet along the way, you know, the different aviators and the fact that not all aviators seem to uh actually care about the dragons they ride so it's this kind of um i think it's this like true nature of things because you know you often find people within a profession and they don't really give a damn they're just there collect the checks and you know whatever and, and so we see all the different sides of this, which, yeah, I think it makes sense, and it's done in a way that's not, you know, it doesn't feel like it's forced, it just feels natural, Uh, the book's got a really good flow to it, and um, Vance does a great job at um, narrating this story, you know, like, I think you're just kind of, in all the way, like it's um, we're just under 10 hours, you know, nine hours, 57 minutes. It doesn't feel like it's a long book, doesn't feel like it's a short book. It, it just the story is just it feels just, just right at length, you know. Um, and you're left wanting more at the end, which. Yeah, I think that's the that's the magic of it, right? Because oftentimes these a series is written, and like, you you come to the end, and it seems like it's a forced, you know, a, a, a forced narrative, um, to to make you have to pick up the second book. It's just like, well. You could have just end like it didn't need to end like that. Like, what have you done? Like, why, why? But you don't get that with this. Uh, You're you're just automatically you want to find out what happens now. You know, because we're seeing the evolution of um Lawrence and Tamerair, evolution of their standing and um evolution of the skills. So it's like, oh, what does this now mean going forward? So, yeah, you you like there's definitely an interest in um what is to come. So the next book in the series is Throne of Jade, which kind of that that gives you a a sense I feel of um possibly something to do with um the chinese you know the jade throne and all of that yeah it, i i think it, it plays somehow into um a kind of unfolding of the chinese aspect of the book so ooh interesting so yeah Um, I'm sure I will hit that in the weeks to come But, you know, I I would recommend this book It's um, Temeraire It's the first book in the Temeraire series Which I do believe is nine books long Um, And this book is written by Naomi Novik And it's read by Simon Vance And you can find it on Audible Alright, and um, most likely in all other sellers. <laughs> okay, so people, I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. As usual, we'll end with some TV news. And um, I'm sure everyone is aware that last week was... I, I don't know, I think it's every two years, right? Um... D23 Expo Like the Disney Big convention Well it was last weekend And there was a lot of news Coming out of it um, So let's get to some of that So first with the now big merger Of Disney and Fox Disney owns The Simpsons And so yeah there was Some interesting talk about That um, And And um, Yeah, one of the producers, Al Jean, had this to say. I think Disney would be supportive of anything we wanted to do. Maybe a crazy limited series with a side character. Or a movie that we surprised you with. They've been really creatively supportive. And this is going to afford so many new ways to do the show. Than just a traditional format. So, um... Yeah, that is the news and um Matt Goering also um said that Apu is not being taken out of the series. So I think we mentioned it last week, but it was confirmed at you know D twenty three that Ewan McGregor is reprising his role of Obi Wan Kenobi. For a live action series on Disney Plus, um, yeah, you know, it's a bit, I don't know, I don't care about Obi-Wan to be honest, and it is a bit because a hey, McGregor has in the past said that you know it was a regret playing the role and all of this blah 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 so money grab you know what i mean so yeah don't care it's just a bit like it's a bit weak frankly what is interesting though is um so some information came out about the mandalorian which will be launching on november the 12th when disney plus Hits so, um, Pedro Pascal plays the Mandalorian. N- he's a, um, you know, he, he works alone as a bounty hunter. His actual name hasn't been revealed. Giancarlo Esposotti plays Moff Gideon, a former. Sector Governor under the Empire who has become an ambitious warlord Who has managed to retain a powerful army Gina Carano will portray Kara Dunn Former Shock Trooper turned mercenary Who fought with the Rebel Alliance during the Galactic Civil War Carl Withers plays Grief Karga The leader of the Bounty Hunters Guild Who gives the Mandalorian an assignment no one else will take. And Taki Wahiti will voice the bounty hunter droid IG-11. With the official description saying. Often gets mistaken for the famous IG-88 in the show. So uh, yeah that's the big news about that now. We can get to um, All of the Marvel news that Kind of hit So um, You know a series That was Kind of It's been talked about in the past but The What If animated Series will be 23 episodes Which reflects A Episode for every one of the MCU films that have been released so far. Um, And it's going to show a lot of different things. So, you know, from Peggy Carter becoming Captain Britain and um, Steve Rogers in Iron Man-like armour. Also revealed, Kate Heron... Is going to direct the Loki TV series. um, And Falcon and Winter Soldier. I think it, it sounds like this series is going to be looking at the past of these two characters. So that's why um, Falcon is isn't going to be holding Captain America's shield or being referred to as Captain America at all in this series. One interesting thing is that Wyatt Russell will be playing a character called John Walker in the series. And fans may recognize the name because John Walker had the moniker of US agent. Uh, the One Division series is supposed to play like a warped fifty sitcom, Dick Van Dyke meets Legion, um, and half classic sitcom, half epic MCU adventure. So uh, yeah, um, and the cat when it was revealed that Cat Dennin would be in the series. It's not a new character. She is reprising her Darcy Lewis role from um 4. So, uh yeah. That is good and Randall Park will be reprising his Agent Wu character from Ant-Man and Wasp. Other news. So, other shows coming to um Disney Plus are um, Moon Knight and She-Hulk. So, in the comics, Moon Knight is a cloaked Avenger who was a mercenary left for dead, resurrected by the ancient Egyptian moon god known as Khonshu, in exchange for being his avatar on Earth. Um, Mark Spector was, um, was the guy... Uh, And he would later return to New York City and become both a millionaire, entrepreneur, and a superhero known as Moon Knight. Who also suffers from a dissociate identity disorder. Um, She-Hulk is Bruce Banner's cousin who acquires a milder version of his Hulk condition, becoming a large, powerful, green-hued version of herself, while still largely retaining her personality, including her intelligence and emotional control. Um, no word on how long both of these shows will be, Uh, I mean they could well be six episodes like all the other shows But nothing has been confirmed And neither has um, when the shows will be coming out Another big surprise from D23 Was one more show people One more Disney show coming and that will be Miss Marvel. Yup. Yep. Um, Bishop K. Ali is writing and um, will be the showrunner for the series. Um, now, the comic and heroine has existed from 1976 with the character Carol Danvers using the name for her crime-fighting escapade before eventually becoming Captain Marvel in 2012. The latest incarnation and the one the show will focus on is a Pakistani-American teenager named Kamala Khan and marvel's first muslim character to lead her own comic book khan lives in a religious family in new jersey who is trying to find her own way whilst dealing with her polymorphous powers that's stretch and shape-shifting if you don't know um yeah, again no no word on when this will be coming and how many episodes. But uh yeah, that's pretty impressive. Oh, so I lied. All right, there's one more show, but this one is coming to the Disney Channel. Okay, so um it was revealed that Lawrence Fishburne is going to executive produce an animated cartoon series that will be "Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur." Yep, yep. It's based on the Marvel comic book series. The series hails from Disney Television Animation and follows the adventures of thirteen-year-old super genius Lunella. Lafayette and her 10-ton T Rex Devil Dinosaur. Um, after Luena accidentally brings Devil Dinosaur into present day New York City via a timer vortex, the duo works together to protect the city's lower east side from danger. Ah, pretty cool, right? Um yeah, no no word on When this is coming Or how many episodes Uh, But Steve Luter Is going to be the executive producer And Jeff Howard and Kate Condell Are co-producing And story editing So um, yeah people That is it for this week's Echoes From the Void I will catch you next Wednesday. Peace.